one of the benefits of being a speaker is that you can take the mask off. <laughs> so you can see whether I'm smiling or whether I'm not. And I hope most of you will be smiling behind the masks. But I think one of the things that we've learned um, through this last 15 months is the importance of actually being able to come together, being able to join together and to worship uh, in His presence. So we're moving back to that point where it can happen again. Um, I've not had a great week this week. Um, and the last thing I felt like doing this morning was coming here to preach a message. But you know, God says He's never changing, right? And how I feel has got nothing to do with what how God feels. And it's got nothing to do with what God has to say. So this morning, I hope that God will speak through me uh, and say to you what he wants to say, not what I want to say. So, um, you know, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the world kind of pauses to celebrate Christmas with us. When we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, most of the world recognize that Easter is a very special day on the calendar. But today is Pentecost, and hardly anyone recognizes it. Yet this day is important because Pentecost is effectively the birthday of the church. And God's given us a wonderful opportunity to actually be part of it. And it's in the second chapter of the book of Acts that we read about the beginning of the church. The first chapter tells us of Jesus meeting with the apostles on the Mount of Olives and telling them that they are to be his witnesses to all the world. The key word is witnesses to all the world. He also tells them that they are to wait in Jerusalem for power to come upon them from high. Then he ascends out of their sight. And that must have been an amazing thing. I, I can't imagine what the, uh, the disciples and Jesus' followers at that time must have been feeling this kind of amazing awesome miraculous epic event with jesus rising up into the clouds and out of sight but at the same time they're seeing him go he's left them so they're bereft what do they do and it's important uh, that the holy spirit would come because it's the holy spirit that empowers us to be those witnesses in Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And the Baptist church had kindly put a nice drawing up there, which kind of symbolizes the, the flames uh, that they will have seen. And the Holy Spirit is important this week as we conclude this four-part series on following Jesus. And in Romans chapter 8 it says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, if you've been born again, if you've accepted the Lord as your Savior, if you've repented and turned away from your own ways, then you have the Holy Spirit in you right now. That awesome power of God is within each one of us. 
John 16 and 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So that's why Jesus had to go. He ascended back into heaven so the Holy Spirit could come. <laughs> and last week, Tim encouraged us to walk with the wise. He said to surround ourselves with wise people. And he left us with that quote from C.S. Lewis. The next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are wise. So where does wisdom come from? Well, the world is full of wisdom, but it's secular. It's worldly wisdom. It's not the kind of wisdom that comes from God. Making room, that's what we have to do. How many times have you said or you've heard someone say, I don't have time for this. There's not enough time in my day to get the things done that need to be done. But you know, it's not really true. We can always make time, we can always make room to do the things that we really want to do. The things that are important to us, we will find the time and we'll find the room to do them. And if I'm honest with myself, then I make plans for my day, for my week, for my month, for my year and I'm not pleased when something happens to interfere with them something unexpected someone else tell me they want me to do something that maybe I don't want to because it impacts on my plans and it will take up too much of the limited time that I have to do the things that are important to me you know when I was a kid my mom used to say to, to everyone to all the family don't tell Terry what to do because you do the opposite. No. I don't know if it's still true today, Mom. I've had 65 years to try and change that one. Maybe I'm still a work in progress. And the thing is, 65 years is nothing in God's time, right? It's just a snap of the fingers. I tell myself that, I mean, I cruise myself with that one. But that's a lesson you see in selfishness and self-centeredness. It's all about meanness. But in the scripture that we read from Luke chapter 1, what we see, and you might have thought it was unusual to be reading that scripture now, but what we see is that Mary, although she was being inconvenienced, she was prepared to create room in her life for God and for what he wanted her to do. I'm sure she wasn't expecting to be pregnant, certainly not then, before she was married. It was a shock, it was a surprise to her, but her response to it is a response that we can all learn something from. When God says, here's my plan for you, we have to make room and we have to make time to actually do it. What we see from her is an example of how the Holy Spirit filled the space created and then empowered her for the works to be done. That's the amazing thing. And it's the same for us. The work that Jesus does in our lives begins with internal and personal transformation. And when we begin our work with Jesus, we begin as consumers. We consume soaking up knowledge. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian and we more became Christians, we were anxious to consume as much as we could about God, about this Jesus that we just put our faith into. We knew nothing about him really. So we were anxious to read the word, to 
listen to other Christians, to listen to messages, to get fed. We were consumers of the word, soaking up knowledge and building our relationship. We're learning about the ways of God. And if we truly value that relationship, then we'll consume it as often and as much as we can. But what happens? As we grow in faith, that relationship grows and develops. And it's very much like when we were children. We're nurtured and supported and we're helped and advised by our parents. And we tend to listen to them. Then as we grow and learn, we rely less and less upon our parents. We become more independent. Hopefully we take something of the good things that they've taught us and nurtured us with, we keep up with us and we never lose it. But we can still then tend to go our own way. And we move away from being a consumer and hopefully we become a contributor. But we have to be careful that our approach to following Jesus and our faith is not focused um, on consumption, but it's focused on contribution. And we partner with God to achieve his purposes for our lives and for those that we come into contact with and for those that we influence. We have to avoid the what's in it for me mode of following Jesus. But we've got to make room in our lives to bring Jesus to our world. In Romans 10 verses 14 and 15 it says, So how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And especially at this time, after all we've gone through, this pandemic and everything it's done to us, uh, everything we've witnessed, everything we've experienced, and I know this pandemic has been you know, a disaster for some people and hardly affected others. And in the business world, some have actually thrived during this pandemic, but it's, it's had an impact and it's been uh, something that none of us expected. What do we need? We need good news. Everybody wants to hear good news. The world is in a mess. Crazy ideas and ideologies seem to be the norm. Common sense is in short supply, it would seem. In fact, that phrase has almost become an oxymoron. Sense is no longer common. Division, discord, anger, enmity, it's all around us. Watch the news any day of the week, any time of day, and you will see how much chaos prevails. And who's the author of that chaos, of that evil that's in our world? Satan is the author of it. This is a spiritual battle. The spiritual battle is real. We might not see it, we might not be able to feel and touch it, but it is absolutely the reality of the world in which we live. And Satan is the father of lies. There is no good in him. John 8 and verse 44 says, you belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But Jesus tells us to be strong and steadfast, to be courageous and to trust in him. 
You see, if we take our focus away from Jesus and put it onto the things of the world and the way the world is and in our world's leaders, then we will be disappointed and we will be driven to despair and we'll be driven to fear. In 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, it says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith and be courageous, be strong. You know, I ask myself a question often, am I available? Am I being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the will of God who saved me? Am I open to be used and directed? To be the hands and feet and the voice of Jesus to those I meet in my world? And I guess the answer, if I'm honest, is sometimes. Sometimes. But the answer needs to be at all times. As an illustration, it's lovely little cup here. Um, well, it's not lovely, it's kind of chipped and it's a bit dirty on the inside. It's got nice pictures on the outside. But just think if one of my kids was really thirsty and needed a drink, and I take this cup, and strangely, the cup starts speaking to me, right? And it says, so sorry, you don't want to use me. Now's not a really good time. Really, why is that? Well, I'm a bit dirty, you know, or I'm, I'm a bit broken. If you put water in me, I might leak. The cup continues with excuses. I've got a crack here. I'm a bit too average. I'm not really that good as a receptacle. Now that would be crazy if it happened, wouldn't it? I hope that cup doesn't start speaking to me on the way home, but if, <laughs> if that happened, it would be pretty crazy. But you see, that's the kind of thing that happens to God when he's trying to get a fresh cup of living water, his grace to the world around us. We're so, um, it's so easy for us to find a reason not to be the witness, not to take that message of grace and truth and love to the world around us. Sometimes we're just so self-focused on our life, on our condition, that we aren't willing or we're not available. Sometimes it's because of our own insecurities that we can't take ourselves off the shelf, as it were. We prefer to be on the shelf, watching on, but not participating. It could be the fear of backlash if we engage in the battle. If you engage in the battle as a Christian online, then you are gonna get slaughtered. There'll be opposition. And it might be your insecurity. I don't want that backlash. I don't want to engage in that battle. Lord sends someone else to do that. But you know, true richness in life is revealed as, what, um, as we take what we've been given and we give it away. I think most of us would agree that there is great pleasure in giving much more than in receiving. In Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20, we're told, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The promise of Jesus is I am with you always to the very end of the age. No matter where you are, no matter how you're feeling, Jesus says I am with you and I'll be with you till the very end of the age. And Jesus is asking us to create space in our world to be carriers of the gospel. That's what his followers did 2000 years ago. And that's why you and I are here 
at this moment in time because Jesus wants us to share our faith and spread the good news. And how do we do that? Well, there's a whole other sermon on that, and Lexi's got some great books on that subject as well. But what all I would say is this the first thing is tell your story. No one can deny the truth of your story. How did you come to Christ? What change did it make in your life? How has that impacted your worldview and the way that you live? And we don't need any training to do that. There's no training and no one can deny your story. You don't need vast amounts of experience to share your story. And there will be moments in your life, there will be opportunities in your life when you can simply share your story and open the door for someone to meet Jesus. I can think back um, to a number of occasions in my life when I've been so nervous and so fearful in a business environment and somebody's challenged me about my faith and a lot of times I've seen the opportunity, I've grasped the opportunity and I've shared. And there was one time, I don't know if I've ever shared this before with this congregation, maybe I have, but years ago I was in a, a business dinner in Dallas, Texas and there was 12 there and there were private equity people, investment bankers and you know senior guys from insurance organisations. And this loud guy at the end of the table said to me, you're one of them born again Christians. And I, my heart sank and, uh, and I thought, here's, here's a moment, in a split second I had to decide to say, well, yeah, yeah, but let's move on or tell my story. So I told my story. I said, yes, I am. And here's my story. The whole table stopped. Everyone on the table stopped and listened. And in, those, in that moment, when I was telling that story, I was oblivious to everyone else at that table. Two hours later, sitting downstairs in the bar of this hotel where the meeting was taking place, one, a guy came up to me uh, and he burst into tears. And he said, I've been a closet Christian for the past 20 years and I needed, this is what you did tonight, is I've been on the phone to my wife and I've told her what's happened and I'm never again gonna hide my faith. And I was encouraged. I mean, how encouraging was that? Yet I was fearful. I would never have brought it up myself in that environment, but God just said, here's your opportunity. What are you gonna do with it? And fortunately on that occasion, I took it uh, and good came from it. We can invite people to join us. It's been difficult, hasn't it? Well, we've been online and not meeting in person, but we've been able to, it was so much easier to invite our neighbors to come and join us online because they don't have to go anywhere. They can sit at home. They don't have to worry about you know walking into a strange building and who else is going to be there and you know how am I going to feel? They could just click the screen and watch it. And I know a lot of our neighbours did, and our friends, our friends from America, who were watching our services. Um, so that was a good thing of it. And I'm sure that as we go forward, we'll find there will be ways, uh, like kind of a hybrid arrangement where we have our meetings in person, but we share it online as well. And there's nothing to stop us from bringing our friends and family to our in-person gatherings when we get back to that point on a regular basis. But whatever situation you find yourself in, if we're working in partnership with the Holy Spirit, listening and being guided by Him, then we can point someone onto the path of salvation. That's the challenge for all of us. Just being willing, putting the fear to one side, accepting that you might not get all the words right, 
but just be authentic, just be honest and tell them your story and the difference it's made in your life. Me and Margaret have often said, we would probably have been divorced had it not been for Christ intervening and for us coming to Christ within a few days of each other. And he's kept us together. It was our 45th wedding anniversary yesterday. 45 years we've been married. Uh, and, it's, and it's a blessing. And, and I see it even more as a blessing when I look at what's happened to our younger families, our young people, and one of my sons who was betrayed and is now divorced and all the hurts that comes with that and all the, um, the, the well, the, the negative impact it has on the children, our grandchildren. So we've been blessed because God intervened and he brought us together and he kept us together. And I'm absolutely certain, Harry, and not being for that, if we'd not become Christians, we would not have stayed together much longer after that point in our lives. So I thank God for that. And I thank God for my wife as well. Um, so, um, we're going to conclude because uh, time is short and I, I, I use notes so that I don't go off on a tangent and try and stick to the time. And I timed this and it should have been 15 minutes so I don't know whether I've gone over or not but uh, I'm going to close soon. The facts are that God created you and he loves you. And God gave us a choice to choose to follow him or to disobey him. And as human beings, we chose to disobey him and sin entered our world. And that disobedience caused the separation between us and God. And anyone separated from God will spend eternity in a place of separation from God. The Bible calls it hell. There are so many people who in this life don't want to know God, not interested. Well, when they get to the other side, and they're faced with God, if you want to know me then, I'm sorry I never knew you. I don't want to spend my life in separation from God. It's a great price to pay, and a debt that could only be paid by a perfect sacrifice. And the perfect sacrifice came in the form of Jesus Christ. And to receive the gift of grace and salvation, we just have to put our faith in Jesus as our saviour and we have to choose to follow him as our leader and our Lord. All those who call on the name of Jesus will be saved and will spend eternity in heaven with him. It's not because you're a great person, it's not because of you've done great works, it's simply the fact that you recognised that you are a sinner who needs to be saved by grace and Jesus says come to me. His arms are always open. Now sometimes I get defensive and I'll go like this. That's not Jesus. Jesus' arms are open to anyone who would come. He will embrace them and give them the opportunity to spend eternity uh, in his presence. So we'll close now um, in these strange times. The unchanging and everlasting message of salvation by grace is constant and unchanging. Nothing this pandemic has done has changed any of that. God's still on his throne. Jesus is still the king. Jesus is still uh, the one who saves us. And he has given us his Holy Spirit that we can be empowered to be his witnesses in this place. So you can choose to disregard everything I've said. 
You say, I'm sick of hearing him. I don't want to listen to that. You can disregard it. That's your choice. You can choose to ignore God. You can choose to believe that there is no God, despite the evidence. Or you can choose to accept God's open offer. His arms are open, ready, and willing to accept your repentance, to accept you into his family. Family of those saved by grace, not by works. And if you choose to accept that, then you can be with him now, from this instant, and forever. You can today be indwelt by his Holy Spirit who promises to equip you and empower you to walk in his ways and to do his will. He will give you peace in your heart and in your life to know that your destiny is assured. You can tell your story with freedom and with power. Just, um, everyone close, close your eyes. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, if there is anyone in this room today who has yet to choose you, who has yet to open up their hearts, to accept you as their saviour, then Father, please give them the opportunity right now. If you feel that your heart is stumping, if you feel that God is saying, your time is now, come to me, just raise your hand for a few seconds and someone will talk to you afterwards. Thank you Lord for your presence here with us today. Oh, Father God, I just ask your blessing upon every single person here, every family represented. Lord, will you pour out your power through your Holy Spirit Will you equip and embolden and encourage every person here today? The world seeks to bring us down and discourage us, Lord. But fear and discouragement do not come from you. Let me, Father, encourage each one of us today. Embolden us and let us walk with you in the days and the weeks ahead. Amen.